Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Oh, thank you, Father, for making this possible, and thank you for blessing us and drawing us unto yourself, causing us to be ready for your coming, and uh, in us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to speak to you again about He's coming. Get ready. This is part two. I want to share with you how he can come in you in a teaching. But before that, I'm going to share a few revelations that kind of lead up to it. And this first one we call the Lord shaking the school. Amen. Marie Kelton. During the meeting, I had an open vision. I saw a big school that was made of yellow or gold bricks. The school is big because it's worldwide. And the bricks are gold or the color of the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, because it is a righteous school where the righteous grow into the image of Christ and not religion. The sky was pretty blue and there were no clouds, which I believe represents an unhindered view of heavenly things uh, which the righteous have. I then saw the hands of the Lord come out of heaven and pick up the school He turned it upside down and began shaking the school, and things started falling out of it. Amen. Well, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And uh, there are things that have to be shaken out to lay a good foundation for the churches coming to be dependent upon these people. The the Lord shakes all the dross and uh, impurities out of his people through trials and persecutions from the factious and other things, you know, temptations, so that all that is left remaining in us is pure gold, which represent the most valuable nature of Jesus. The trials and shakings that the Lord sends cause the factious to fall away. So that's something that's shaken out right there. And that process has been going on. It's very, it's very good. It purifies the body to get them ready for not only the coming of the Lord in power, but the coming of the people to uh, the Lord in these people that are matured. So the factious fall away from the midst of the righteous, as these factious impersonators are really just fool's gold. They're not real gold. 
And Marie got this word, Hebrews 12 and 27. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that have been made, that those things which are not shaken may remain. So all that is of man, and is man-made, and not God, must go. Uh, because that all belongs to the apostates, not to the gold school, right? Okay, Tiana Fire got this. We called it shaking, 528-23. I had this experience where the ground started moving heavily as though it was shaking like an earthquake. I thought that this was really happening. It felt more real than a vision. I started having many thoughts and feelings of fear and imaginations of the ground beneath me breaking, causing me to fall or that something would fall on me. I also had thoughts of dying and other crazy thoughts. All these thoughts and feelings jumped on me so quickly and suddenly and unexpectedly. Well, you know that's what the devil waits for. He waits for things that happen in front of your sight or in the hearing of your ears. And then he wants to make this a terrible thing, right? He jumps on you to get you to fail in your faith. I didn't like or accept any of those thoughts, so I cast them down and thought, No, God will protect me even if he just lifts up the bed with me on it and it floats in the air while everything else gets destroyed. Or maybe God's going to translate me to the brethren now. Or, uh, oh, I must get go get dressed. Or, will God dress me during the translation? <laughs> well, good thoughts, good questions, you know. Not all the fear and garbage that the devil tries to put on you in a time of shaking. Or what did you do to deserve this, right? Or something like that. So we replace the evil negative thoughts of unbelief and uh, with those of faith in the promises. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, or the promise of God, right? And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And the things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. We need peace when troubles come. And, of course, the people around us want to see what we would do in troubles like this. And we have to demonstrate the grace and the peace of the Lord. Then the shaking stopped, and I realized nothing else was physically shaking anymore. I then heard the Lord ask me, How are you going to react when these judgments really start manifesting? How will you respond when you see everything physically start crumbling 
and being destroyed. Will you stay in me or run into the arms of fear? Will you stand on my word and in bold faith in the things you don't yet see? Or will you give in to doubt and let the enemy overcome you? I'm coming, but many things must come first. I am already here, even though you don't yet physically see me. Are you ready? Get ready in season and out of season, every moment. Stay with me, no matter what is going on around you. I am your only hiding place. Amen. And this one given to Marie Kelton, um, we named One and the Same. 626-23. During the meeting, the Lord gave me an open vision, and I saw my spirit man sitting down in a dark tunnel. My spirit man was reading a book that had a black cover on it, and I saw the Lord walk up to my spirit man in the tunnel and hand her a sword and a book with a white cover on it. Well, I believe that's probably the Bible, and she does too. Um, My spirit man then got up and walked uh, next to the Lord in the tunnel. All right, with that in hand, the sword and the the good news, (laughs) uh, she walked next to the Lord. Because He's our light in the tunnel of darkness. Amen. And I asked the Lord what the black book was, and he said, learning about darkness. I was looking at videos from uh, John Ramirez and an ex-Satanist learning about spiritual warfare and the tactics of the enemy, and also watching videos about people exposing celebrities, etc. So... We should be babes when it comes to learning about the things of darkness. First Corinthians 14 and 20 says, Brethren, be not children in mind, yet in malice be babes, but in mind be men. If we study good, we're going to know all evil. But you can't study enough evil to know all evil. You'll spend your time in things that will drag you down. And the study of evil does not bear fruit like the gospel of the good news does, which is the power of God to save the one that believes it. Romans 16 and 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I rejoice therefore over you, but I would have you to be wise unto that which is good and simple unto that which is evil. Well, the Lord spoke to me about the sword and the book with the white cover. He said that they are one and the same. The sword is both the word of God and its ability to destroy the works of darkness, like the sword. And the books are the source of power and information. A dark source has dark power and can lead into darkness. The Bible is uh, the word of truth, which gives life and freedom from the darkness. The knowledge of good and evil is in the Bible. It couldn't have been given to the natural man. He had no power to do it. 
but it's been given to the spiritual man in the New Testament, right? 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Give diligence to present thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth. Amen. Okay, we call this one a sign of end times. Tiana Fire, 523-23. I dreamed I was walking around outside on a journey somewhere. I looked up at the sky and I saw Pegasus, uh, which I believe probably could be Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. You know, uh, unicorns, uh, provision, perversion spirits, dragons, Satan's principalities, uh, witches, uh, witchcraft uh, coming through humans to try to take us down. Um, and flying all around in the sky. So these were flying everywhere. So the residence of these enemies is normally in the second heaven, but uh, the sky is the first heaven. They are being cast down, you see. I felt a strong urge to contact the brethren. These perversion and witchcraft spirits are everywhere in the world today, and they're blatantly obvious in the open for everyone to see, just as in the days of Sodom. Yes. Revelation 12 and 7. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels going forth to war with the dragon, and the dragon warred and his angels, and they prevailed not because... Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. I took shelter in a white concrete double garage that was empty. White represents holiness, and a double garage represents our human vehicles at rest and unity. I pulled out my phone and went to the Brethren group chat to tell them what I saw, and I felt strongly that this was a sign that the end is closer than we think. I agree, uh, evil rises up even worse at the end. So this casting down is at the beginning of the tribulation. I tried writing up what I saw, but my phone kept lagging and mistyping, and it wasn't working properly, and not letting me write the message and send it properly. I accidentally clicked send as my phone was glitching, but what was written was not what I meant to write. Well, we've all had that problem. The enemy attempts to hinder our communications that uh, expose their plans. And, you know, the, uh, the deep state uh, in the church, this faction in the church, they make war against the dreamers because they're exposing their plans. So you have to pray for the dreamers, right? 
So I just did a voice message recording of what I saw, and I was able to properly send it off. The brethren responded that it is definitely a sign of the end times, as evil is now much greater and increasing, and no one can ignore it. John uh, John 1 and 5, the NENT says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not. I then heard a sound outside, so I went out and I saw a father who had fifteen daughters of all different ages, and they all had brown eyes. They were from New Zealand. New Zealand means new land of the long white cloud. Could this represent the glory cloud of God's presence? It's made up of over 700 islands in the sea, unified as one nation. Well, we are all from around the world, and we are one nation according to Peter, 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. I asked where their mother was, and they said that they all left her, and they are trying to find somewhere safe to go. Well, leaving the harlot church system for safety is what's implied here. I told them I knew where a refuge that brethren operate is located and that I would take them there, and they followed me back to the refuge. Uh, we call this one Creation Groans, Tiana Fire, six eleven twenty three. I physically kept feeling like the ground was moving gently and constantly, but like shivering. I kept feeling it for six hours, no matter where I went. Well, the flesh is enmity against God, so it feels the judgment coming, you know. Then I asked the Lord what this is that I'm feeling. And I saw in the Spirit that the earth and all of creation are breathing for God. And all the earth is desperately waiting on and crying out to God. And I heard all creation is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest, unquote. And I felt this moving and shaking I was experiencing was the creation and ground desperately wanting Jesus to manifest. Amen. And what's the most important part of manifesting Jesus? That He comes in you by His Word being manifested in you and His Spirit being manifested in you. I then got these verses in context. Uh, N-E-N-T, Romans eight nineteen through 23 For the earnest expectation of the creation awaiteth the revelation of the sons of God, or the manifestation of the sons of God. Same word. So, the first manifestation of the sons of God is the first fruits, man, child, reformers, because the Son of God is manifested in them, so that he can give a demonstration and teach them how to come into the same image. For the creation was subject of vanity, not of its own will, but by reason of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself 
also shall be freed from the bondage of corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When it talks about the creation here, it's talking about not only the creation that you see out there, but the creation you're walking around in, right? Amen. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves also groan within ourselves, awaiting our adoption, the redemption of our body. So we call this next one Ray of Light, Tiana Fire, four twelve twenty three. I saw a holy angel representing Jesus. In other words, angels come to us and they represent the Lord to us. And sometimes they speak perfectly. I call them perfect prophets because they speak perfectly the voice of the Lord. They're representing the Lord. And he was standing very close to me, so he looked very big. I couldn't see too much behind him because he was so close to me. He is closer than our breath. But suddenly I was able to see behind him, and there were dark storm clouds surrounding the entire sky, except for a tiny ray of light shining through or in between a cloud. Everything else was dark, and I felt like an urgency. And he said, I am coming. I felt he is so very close already and not far away. Amen. It's true. We've been getting this uh, expressed to us quite regularly now. It's getting very close. Revelation 22 and 7. And behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the words of the prophecy of this book. So we know that those that obey the word are going to be fine when he comes. In Revelation twenty two twelve, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to each man according to his work is. So we call this next one uh, a quick change. Uh, anonymous six twenty one twenty three. There will be a quick change coming soon. And more of my Son will be manifesting through you and those that choose all of me. I am increasing and quickly. Be ready each moment. Let go of everything that is not me. So his desire, of course, is to increase in us, manifesting in us, uh, not just uh uh, him coming from the sky, you know. No, it's in us. He's shining forth from us, as we will share later. Let go of all doubt and unbelief. Yes, this wars against your ability to walk in Him. Let go of all carnal and worldly thinking. Everything you think you know and what you know is changing into me. You will begin to not recognize yourself, but you will see me in you and our other brethren. Completely in unity in me, you will soon be closer and closer each moment 
becoming one together fully in Christ. Time is now. Stop thinking and looking to the future, planning the future, or past, but focus on each moment that you are in now. I am now. Time is now. My son focused on this moment. His mind was and is on all of you. Let go of all the distractions that stop you from bathing in my presence. Let go of all those little sins you think are hidden. I see all, and I want all evil out of you. No evil is in my son, as there will be no evil in his bride. Now and for eternity. Time is ticking and passing quicker than you think. Things will start proceeding more rapidly. Uh, in an instance, I will be. Don't look back. Amen. <clears throat> Let go of all your carnal desires and senses and interests in this world. Face me only. Look to me. Think of me. Communion with me every moment. I am in you and for you and everything from me. Look to me and you will keep my peace, my joy, my pleasure that is beyond anything in the natural. I'm coming sooner. Get ready now. Don't miss out on the things I have for you. So many people's are doing contrary to what the Lord is saying here. Their mind is all on the physical, on the physical pleasures of this life. And God is saying, no, it's too late for that now. You need to be thinking on the Lord. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And when he comes, there's going to be great shaking. And you'll need to be stable. You won't be able to fall into unbelief and doubt without it hurting you. Each minute and second I have a gift for you, and when you aren't in me, you miss out on what I wanted to give you. Don't look away or to the enemy, only me. I am coming, and I am already here. Look and see. He's too, too uh, late to even worry about uh, the enemy and what he's doing. Get your mind on the Lord, and the angels will bless you and protect you. I sense that this is going to be coming and happening quicker than we expect. That's clearly what he's saying. And we call this one uh, given to Vanessa Weeks about 523, 23. Uh, the Lion of Judah comes to David's house. Well, this is true. The scripture clearly says this. In a dream, we of UBM were at David's house for a meeting in the daytime representing the David Manchild's house. And the house looked different on the outside. It was in a neighborhood and had uh, white steps going up to a white front door that had a screen door that opened from the right. The white steps mean only those who walk righteously can come up and into the door to the right. Psalm 15, 1 through 5. A Psalm of David. Lord, who shall sojourn in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Uh, that's Zion. 
He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart. He that slandereth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his friend, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. All that sounds like the faction, the very evil faction that is now uh, turned into Satanists. In whose eyes uh, a reprobate is despised, but who honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to interest, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I saw people coming to David's house that I did not know. Uh, a revival of people to come to a true house of God. She has in parenthesis. As people were coming in, some would put money in a basket that was attached to the bottom of the screen door. And I knew in the dream that the money was for the ministry. I also saw Leon coming up the steps and into the door. Well, this couldn't be physical, Leon. He's gone on. But uh, the Lion of Judah, Jesus in the man-child, is, um, is what's being implied here. And when he came in, he put bills in the basket. His reward is with him. And that is the uh, scripture I received for the dream. I was surprised to see the money in the basket because people in the neighborhood could see the money and I thought they could take it. No one was concerned about this. And then I woke up. Yes, what can they take from you that the Lord can't restore? You know, uh, the faction are full of thieves. They steal everything from people to money to things and they have no peace they're always looking for peace in the physical. And they're all full of lust now. And they're all taking advantage of anybody they can see out there. They're all in the physical. And they're not happy. Never satisfied. Isaiah 61, 8. For I, Lord, love justice. I hate robbery with iniquity. I will give them the recompense in truth. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I received by faith at random for this dream, Isaiah 40 and 7. In context, Isaiah 40, 6 through 11. The voice of one saying, Cry! And one said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is, is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, the physical things are all going to pass away. Because the breath of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, get thee up on a high mountain. In other words, forget about the grass, the flesh, right? Get up on a high mountain where you can reach out with the good news. O thou that tellest good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God, and behold the Lord 
will come as a mighty one, and his arm, which is Jesus is the arm of the Lord, right? His arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and will gently lead those that have their young. Father, thank you that your breath blows on the fleshly people so that their plans to steal or hurt us will fail. Thank you also that you are coming with your reward and your recompense is before you. We see in Isaiah how that the Lord comes and stains his garments with the Edomites' uh, blood. Uh, that's what the first recompense is. That's what the first uh, is coming. So, we call this one One Body, Tiana Fire, for 2123. I cut my finger. And there was a lot of blood. I felt faint, so I went and sat down. I was thinking about how something so small could hurt and affect me so much. Then, in response, I heard, This is how my body should feel when another member, or brethren, get hurt. Going through a trial or suffering. When something in the body isn't functioning how it is meant to, it doesn't just hurt that area, but all the other areas. It also affects the mind and a person's thinking, and the body tries its hardest to fix or heal the hurting or broken area. And when the body is in unity, it quickly heals and restores what is broken. So it is when uh, we, the brethren, are in unity in order to help other brethren in need. The healing and deliverance manifests quicker. In unity, there is much power. In unity, the sick are quickly healed and captives are set free. I was talking today about uh, the captives that we know of that are in bondage to the factious leader who is in such powerful lust he has to go out and gather women to himself by putting these stupid spirits on them and then filling them with lust so that they want him, which they never would have dreamed of doing. So he's all full of himself and wanting to build himself up and wanting to do evil to others. And he does. He does this. But there's no way to Christ or salvation that way. We have to turn away from the flesh and all of its lustful desires and turn to God and live the crucified life which puts the old man to death. There is much power in unity, physical and spiritual. I am one body, one mind, and so are my people. When the body relaxes and rests, it heals quicker. Just as when you rest in me, your healing manifests. Be one mind, one soul, one spirit, one body. I am one. Psalm 133 and 1 on down says, and it is a a song of ascents of David, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head 
that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that came down upon the skirt of his garments, like the dew of Hermon, that cometh down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commandeth the blessing, even life forevermore. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And 1 Corinthians twelve twelve through 31 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all of the members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or whether bond or free, uh, <clears throat> and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is not therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, it's not therefore not of the body. Let me point out something to you. Many people are raised in the carnal church, and the only thing that they can see is when they want to go higher, is to become a pastor. So they go to their cemeteries to learn how to be a pastor. That's only one member of the body. That's the Nicolaitan error that God said He hates. If you're not being filled with all the gifts of the Spirit so that you can walk in whatever place you need to walk in the body and serve the body in your way, you're out of the will of God. It doesn't matter if you go to school and get that uh, diploma to go out there and teach others. First of all, teaching others is not anything you can do when you only have teaching. You have to have experience. That's what the Lord says. Him that overcometh will I give authority. So it's not the matter of putting the knowledge of it in your mind and going out there with a certificate. It's a matter of you living it first before God can call you to do it. Otherwise, you will ruin your life and a lot of other lives. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole body hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, each one of them, in the body, even as it pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Yeah, that's it. That's what I was saying. But now they are many members, but one body. And that body is the body of Christ. He lives in His body by word and spirit. Amen. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much rather those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those parts of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow the more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts, uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. And whereas our comely parts have no need, but God tempered the body together, 
giving more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer. Or one member is honored, and all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and severally members thereof. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, and then miracles, and then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diverse kinds of tongues. Notice, it's not just the pastor that everybody is supposed to come into the image of, right? He's only one member of the body. And he does not rule over the body. Uh, that's why God gave a five-fold ministry of uh, separate kinds of gifts to rule over the body. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but desire earnestly the greater gift, and moreover a most excellent way show I unto you. Yeah. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So here's a, uh, a revelation given to Reynaldo Portella, 2023, Supernatural Experience. Lights. My grandma died a few months ago, and I was so sad. My wife and I decided to go to San Diego, and while I was driving, beautiful thunders followed us for six hours. Then, when we arrived in San Diego, I went to sleep, and I dreamed that I was praying for my grandma while she was dead in the bed. I prayed a few times, and she came to life. And she looked bright and beautiful, and she said, My son, don't cry. I'm more alive than ever. And she flew away. <laughs> then I looked to the sky, and it was full of green, beautiful lights. I think those lights are called auroras. Yeah. Even though this is a beautiful dream to comfort Reynaldo in the physical, there's a spiritual revelation in that the original gospel, uh, represented by the grandmother, is going to be revived by the fervent prayers of the saints for the end times. Amen. Because that original gospel has power to bring us into the image of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Okay, we call this UBM Refuge from the Storm, and this is going to be my teaching for today. <laughs> um, Lord, uh, we thank you so much for giving this revelation to your people. We want to uh, share it. In a vivid dream, an elderly white-haired man sat at his desk looking at some papers. He was also watching me with an expression of pleasant approval as I lay on a couch next to him, and also looking at some papers. It was revealed to me that he was leaving me with a billion dollars to take care of his house and property. 
There And it was a refuge, by the way. There were household servants who looked on. Well, I know that the I've seen this elderly white-haired man before, and uh, I know that he represents our Heavenly Father, who will provide unleavened bread ministries with everything necessary to care for that portion of his house and to and property that he has left us to care for. The house represents his holy people, and his property represents those who are under the blood and in the process of becoming holy. I represent UBM, which is a body of saints committed to preparing the elect to walk in the steps of Jesus. And the papers we're looking at um, represent the biblical legal contract between the Father and us that guarantees all these things. Anybody wants to read the Bible, they will find this out. The servants are the angels who serve his people to bring this to pass. And I was lying down in a restful position, signifying that it would not be by the works of UBM. But as we rest from our own works, the grace of God will bring it to pass. Afterwards, I saw myself walking through the house and looking out a front window. I saw that a storm was raging and that the property outside the boundaries of our property was being devastated. Well, that's because it's not in the refuge, right? Kurt Kurt had a very similar dream that a fire burned right up to our property line, but stopped there and went no further. Trees are being blown away, and the landscape was becoming desolate. So looking out the front window is to look into the future or what is before the house. The raging storm is the tribulations to come, and the world outside the property will be devastated to prepare a wilderness to motivate God's people to flee to the kingdom of God through repentance and faith. And this is abiding in Christ, the secret place, of the Most High God. Trees blown away represents people's lives being destroyed who do not abide in the shelter of Christ. Next I saw that inside the boundary of the property were all kinds of animals. I knew that the billion dollars was given to shelter and take care of these. So, anyway, after the dream, I thought how much this seemed like the beasts who fled to Noah's Ark for safety from the storm to come. And the property we know about that God is giving us is um, is like a boat. He's shown us that. Solomon taught that men are as beasts. Ecclesiastes three eighteen and 19. I said in my heart, it is because of the sons of men that God may prove them, that they may see that they themselves are but as beasts. We're seeing those beasts manifested in the faction, and especially their leader. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. And the and man to to uh, ha, 
excuse me, and man hath no preeminence above the beast. That's falsely spoken. Un- unsaved man has they become just like beasts. For all is vanity. I have shared in our teachings that the different peculiarities of the animals represent the different strengths and weaknesses of men, also the sins of men. And the different species can also be seen as different unclean sects, divisions, or denominations. Peter was being prepared by a trance vision to accept into the kingdom those men he considered to be unclean beasts. Acts ten, eleven through 16 And he beholdeth the heaven open, and a certain vessel descending, as it were, a great sheet, let down by four corners upon the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts and creeping things of the earth and birds of the heaven. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common and unclean. And a voice came unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, Make not thou common. And this was done thrice, and straightway the vessel was received up into heaven. Well, immediately after this vision, Peter was invited to the house of Cornelius, and he perceived that God had revealed to him that he had cleansed the lost, unclean Gentiles through the sacrifice of Jesus, and that then they would be caught up into heaven. (laughs) Okay, 10 and 28. And he said unto them, Ye yourselves know how it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to join himself or to come unto one of another nation. And yet unto me hath God showed that I should not call any man common or unclean. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is acceptable to him. So at this point, Peter preached the gospel to all who were in Cornelius' house, and they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, which became a shock to the other Jewish disciples there because they weren't used to that. So many unclean beast people will be fleeing to or fleeing the judgments on the world and apostate Christianity and coming into the shelter of the kingdom through our ministry. And these uh, were sanctified of their beastly character by the sacrifice of Jesus, and we will have to deal with those peculiarities by faith and the word Some of them will ultimately not be saved, for they will not continue in the faith and endure to the end to be delivered of their beastly appetites. Next I saw, as I looked out of a front window, a rhinoceros charging towards the window. At the last minute it veered off and went down the left side of the house. And that's where the goats go. So, charging at the window was charging at me, and this represents the faction. Their their number one enemy is me. And they spend their whole life 
trying to do me in, but they can't win that battle. I turned and ran to the back of the house, and I looked out the back window to see lions and a rhino calf peacefully in the backyard together with other animals, and I supposed that the rhinoceros was thinking to protect its own, but there was no threat. They were all at peace. Yeah, well, they really want to make their own out of you by sowing things into your heart that make you into a beast. So, we believe the rhino uh, lifting up its horn on high is the factious predators who are never at peace with the righteous. And notice that the animals are at peace like they must have been in Peter's sheet and Noah's ark. This symbolizes the one flock and one shepherd that Jesus said would come. Matthew 5 and 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, the branch is Jesus in the man-child ministry, as in Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6. Then it also speaks of the animals being at peace and protected and led by the man-child. Isaiah eleven six through 9. And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the uh, fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Uh, that's the man-child. Mordecai means uh, um, a little child. He was a symbol of the man-child in Esther. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. That is, of course, the kingdom of God. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, uh, the rest of this uh, speaks of the gathering of God's people to their spiritual land. Um, and, of course, that is the land of promise. And it brings peace between them while conquering the old man in the land. And uh, chapter 12 speaks of them drinking freely of God's salvation. And chapter 13 is the day of the Lord and the fall of America. And here the shepherds and their flocks are gone, but the wild beasts, especially the goats, the wicked and the apostates and the wolves, uh, apostate false leaders, are left to cry in their castles, quote-unquote, or churches. Yes, that's right. 13, 19-22. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And in 20, neither shall shepherds make their flocks to lie down there. 
but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there. Well, do you know that in Revelation 18, uh, the church is full of demonic beasts? Yes, come out from among them and be separate. And their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. That's their houses of worship. And ostriches shall dwell there, and wild goats shall dance there. And wolves shall cry in their castles. Yes, they have beautiful castles. And uh, jackals uh, in the pleasant palaces. And her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. So looking out the front window uh, in this dream represents seeing into the future. And the left side, where the rhinoceros went, represents where the goats walk. Just as it is now, some self-righteous, competitive, ambitious, sectarian, factious, domineering types will seek to separate those of their own kind and their own thinking from the body when in reality they are in the safest place to be. But the people of their kind must be separated, and they are. So this also, the Lord's, this is how God cleanses His body. This also may be speaking of a larger future scenario that involves the New World Order religion, seeking to separate those who may be proven to belong to them from those at peace with God and each other? You know, many people in the church will take the mark of the beast and it will separate, will it not? The mark of the beast is made to separate the beasts from those who are otherwise. They will not be ashamed to use the weapon at their disposal to gore those who have been given authority. The rhinoceros first aimed at me, and then at those who agreed with me. Some, like Judas, will go to the place ordained for them because of their selfish ambition and because they abuse the freedom in Christ until they are reprobated, and because they're a bunch of thieves, too. Galatians 5 and 10. I have confidence to you, word, in the Lord, that you will none be none otherwise minded, but uh, he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And 13 says, For ye, brethren, were called for freedom. Only use not your freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but through love be servants one to another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, as the wild beasts normally do, take heed that you be not consumed one of another, as the wild beasts, right? But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, wrath, factions, divisions, parties, envyings, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I forewarn you, even as I did forewarn you, that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So as much as these people would smooth talk you into thinking that they're Christians, they are not. Anybody that does not forgive is not forgiven, according to Jesus. Anybody that fornicates God's people uh, will find their place in the lake of fire. The church called brotherly love. This was given to Mark Fritz, 122604. I woke up and this question came to my mind. What church is the church I'm visiting today? For the second time in relation to Revelation 2. I don't know why I asked this, but the Lord immediately said, Number 3, so the third church in Revelation chapter 2, which I discovered to be the church of Pergamos. Uh, They were, of course, rebuked for the Nicolaitan error, which we just spoke about, of being lords over God's flock or a priesthood over the people. See, they didn't step out of Catholicism very far, and they just did the same thing, you know. And the Balaam error of following idols like a false Jesus and feeding God's people greasy grace doctrines. Amen. I asked the Lord to show me if I should tell the pastor of this church, and he led me to Acts 18 and 9. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Wow. So I left the pastor a letter explaining what I thought the Lord was saying to this Word of Faith church. Well, let me say, many of these lack the crucified life. It's all what you can get, these Word of Faith uh, churches, what you can get from God. And, of course, when, when we need something from God, He supplies it, but we're, but we're also content with food and covering. That's what the Bible says. So why do things like this continually happen to me? My wife is tired of me having tough words for churches. She wants us to settle down in a church and find a good youth group for our kids. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, that's not so good in many cases. And I asked the Lord to show me what I should say to this church if they don't repent. And I believe he said, Ezekiel 14. So in this chapter, we know that strong delusion came upon those who set up idols in their heart. And uh, he, the Lord spoke to them through idols to bring them into this delusion. Then I asked the Lord what church unleavened bread Bible study represented, and I heard number six. I did not know Philadelphia was the sixth church. Philadelphia is the only church that was not rebuked, but was promised. I also will keep thee from the hour of trial. Mm. This is not a flyaway doctrine, folks. He said he would keep you, and uh, he will all the way through it. Philadelphia means love of the brethren. Philo, which equals love, Adolphos, a brother. It is interesting that Adelphus means first from the womb. So, these these church of brotherly love, they will be the first fruits, right? First of the womb. A equals alpha, first Delphus, the womb. It equals the womb. 
So the man-child ministry will be the firstborn from the womb of the church, right? And Revelation 3, 7 through 10 says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and none shall shut, and shutteth and none openeth. In other words, authority to bind and loose. This is not, by the way, authority to keep you from going through the crucified life. <laughs> but it is uh, to do uh, to bring down the works of darkness, right? I know uh, thy works. Behold, I have set before thee a door opened, which none can shut. The wicked try, but they fail. That thou hast a little power, and didst keep my word, and didst not deny my name. Behold, I give of the synagogue of Satan, because they worship Satan, because they think he is God. Of them that say they are Jews, and they are not, but do lie. So, not circumcised in heart, right? The flesh is not cut away. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee because thou didst keep the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of trial, that hour which is to come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And James 1, 3 and 4 says, Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. So, uh being uh, patient in your faith, enduring to the end, brings you everything you need. Many, many people give up before they reach the end. So the kind of faith seen in this Galatians text causes us to dwell in heavenly places in Christ, as the Bible says. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. So our, our text in Revelation 3, uh, 7-13 shows that the Philadelphia church will escape the hour of trial that would try them that dwell upon the earth, rather than dwelling in heavenly places in Christ. So this church represents the bride, who like the Shulamite in Song of Solomon, the bride in Esther, and the bride in Psalm 45, will escape in the king's house on earth. This is no pre-trib rapture, for the bride will raise up the virgins, as in these cases. Amen. They've got a job to do. Jesus and his disciples, he was the man-child, his disciples, went out to raise up the church. Amen. I believe the words uh, to the churches in the book of Revelation represent condition of seven churches. Some have not died to self at all and need a crucifixion. And some had died a little but still have a long way to go. The tribulation will perfect those who are willing to go to their cross for their crucifixion. Matthew sixteen twenty four and 25 
He goes on to say, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. So let's go back to the Philadelphia church in Revelation 3, uh, 11 through 13. I come quickly, hold fast that, that which thou hast, that no one take thy crown. There's people out there eager to take your crown. They want to drag you into the mud with them. Amen. He that overcometh, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out thence no more meaning to abide continually in Jesus, the Word. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is the bride, there you go, which cometh down out of heaven from God, cometh his present and future tense, right? Cometh down out of heaven from my God. We're being born from above. The new Jerusalem is up there. We're being born into that image down here. And mine own new name, he says. So we get the name of the Lord, which is the nature, character, and authority of the Lord. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So now I want to share a teaching with you. Is the Son coming in you? This is the most important thing to you. You should be distracted by nothing else. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Amen. If our face is truly unveiled, we accept what happened at the cross, and we see by faith the finished work of Christ in the mirror. Only in this walk of faith are we transformed into the same image. We accept by faith that God made an exchange of Christ's life for our life. Colossians 1 and 22 says, Yet now hath he reconciled, which means exchanged, uh, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. If so be that you continue in the faith. There you go. You've got to endure to the end, Jesus said, and he's talking about enduring in your faith, believing the promises of God. Grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Don't be moved away from the good news. Uh, All kinds of things can cause this to happen to you. Double-mindedness, grief, on and on. There are so many things that drag you back into the physical realm instead of seeing those precious promises. So through this exchange, we died and Christ now lives in us by faith. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live but Christ living in me. See, we have to see the end from the beginning. We have to call those things that be not as though they were. We have to believe we have received 
Everything we've prayed for, Jesus said, Mark 11 and 24, believe we have received. Don't pay attention to what you see. Only seeing real Jesus in the mirror by faith will transform us into the same image. Aspiring to be like another Jesus, as Paul called it in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, will not bring forth Christ, but Antichrist in us. And that's what many people do when they go to these apostate churches. They uh, idolize the pastor and they want to look like that, Uh, sadly. Having our eyes on self, our ability, our failure is to see our natural face in the mirror and is not walking by faith. This will bring no power to obey, but will make us hearers and not doers of the word. James 1 and 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. He's not changing. He's not seeing Jesus. He's not got his eyes on Jesus, the word of God, the promises of God. So these are the ones who do not unite faith with the gospel so that Christ can be manifested in them. Ephesians 4 and 13. Uh, Till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Christ. Some would say that that's blasphemy. No, it's not. Jesus came in order to fulfill that. It is his good pleasure to do this. And Paul is confident in the power of God to do this, declaring that ye may be filled unto all the fullness of God. 3 and 19. Those who wish to live the old life believe that it is not possible that Christ could be manifested in this body. 2 Corinthians 4 and 10 says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered unto death. That is the death to self, right? For Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Here is where the life must be changed. They've lied to you. They tell you you'll be changed in the air. That's, that is putting things off too late. This is a terrible lie. Notice he speaks of Jesus coming in this mortal flesh, not glorified bodies. In Paul's day, they were falling away from this truth, which led to many dark centuries of apostasy. Galatians 4.19, My little children, of whom I am again in travail, until Christ be formed in you. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So notice, the faith has to be in the Son of God, not in your ability to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right? I'm learning that it is not I living the Christian life and doing the works of Christ, but it is I accepting my death 
and exercising faith so that Christ may live and do His works through me. Jesus gave up a natural body in order to take up a corporate body so that He could continue on a much larger scale His deliverance of this fallen creation and create many sons of God. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and severally members thereof. We are not the body of another Jesus, a weak and worthless Jesus like the churches have. We're the body of the same Jesus who walked in that first body, exercising God's power to set the captives free. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yea, and forever. Remember this. That's the Jesus you must come into the image of. And if they don't offer that in your church, go to one that does, because they're not the called out ones. Church means the called out ones. Come out from among them. Find the real true Jesus. Accept that that's who you are now. He lives in you. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, yea, and forever. It's sad that most do not agree that Christ's plan is to continue exercising the sovereignty that he had in his first body in his second. Amos 3 and 3. Shall two walk together except they have agreed? We must agree with Jesus working through his body today to do the Father's work, that the body of Jesus today would walk as Jesus did in his first body 2,000 years ago. Through faith in the gospel, we can expect the life of Jesus to be manifested in our human bodies. The life of Christ is not only his fruit, but also his ministry, as we shall see. Those who teach that we cannot expect the life of Christ in this life are deceivers. Those who preach that as long as we are in this body, we will always be in bondage to sin are deceivers. Second John 7 said, For many deceivers are gone forth. Where? Gone forth from where? The church into the world. Notice they're going into the world. It's got to be the church that they that confess not that Jesus Christ cometh in the flesh. Wow. They don't confess that. They don't believe it. It's contrary to their doctrine, and you'll never arrive at Christ-likeness without this message. And the KJV falsely say, is come in the flesh. No, we know that that's true. But uh, that's not what this text says. The numerics is very plain. Cometh in the flesh. So they falsely think is come in the flesh, and they translate it that way because they thought this spoke of his first body. There is no manuscript that says this. Even the received text says coming in flesh. The ancient manuscripts also say this, and the numeric pattern proves it to be true. And when Jesus physically comes again, he will have a glorified body, not one in flesh or of flesh. However, he is coming now in the flesh of his body 
of true believers. Amen. Those who preach that our ultimate hope here is to only be forgiven and not transformed are deceivers. Paul explained that he was revealing a mystery with the words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 He said that the wisdom of this mystery was to present every man perfect, meaning complete or mature, in Christ. Verse 28 The seed of, the, of Christ must become manifested, in other words, bear fruit in us, from glory to glory. Colossians 3 and 4. When Christ, who is our life, in other words, wherever you have life, that's Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, that means in us, then you shall also be, also with him, be manifested in glory. So you will manifest the glory of God, as we just read. Christ manifested in us has power over sin and the curse around us. You can study our book, Sovereign God, for us and through us. You'll get a really good understanding of that. And as we come to realize the purpose of Christ is to live in us, our faith is what He can do in us and through us grows exponentially. Philemon 1 and 6, that the fellowship, uh, that the Greek word is sharing, in common, right? That the fellowship of thy faith may be become effectual in the knowledge of every good thing which is in you unto Christ. So the seed of everything is in there, you see. And it grows from that. The seed of Christ that we have uh, received has the potential for the whole plant, but it must have the fertile ground of repentance and faith. This is what they're not doing. Repenting means change your mind. Believe what I say. Yeah. Suffering brings about this uh, repentance, which is the suffering on our own spiritual cross of death to self. Romans 8 and 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified with Him. Children, if you're children, okay, then you're heirs. But you don't know all of that yet. Notice that we are children of God, and we will be heirs if we suffer the death of self, that Christ may be glorified in us. Child in the Greek word, is technon, which is always distinct from the word for son, which is huios. Jesus is always called the huios of God, the son of God. Vine's Expository Dictionary describes the difference. Technon, a child, gives prominence to the fact of the birth whereas huios stresses the dignity and character of the relationship. A born-again spirit makes us a child of God, but only a born-again soul gives us a pure and mature relationship with Him 
that a son like Jesus has. Our soul is our character, our mind, will, and emotions. Our spirit is reborn through an initial gift from God of repentance and faith. The soul is born from above by obedience to the word given to that spirit. James 1 and 21, Wherefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted or rooted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God will save your soul, not just your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, right? Christians who will not be ruled by the word are deluded. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. Paul speaks of salvation as a process that Christians must cooperate in by standing in the faith of the gospel to hold fast the word, or else they believed in vain, he said. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, and which also you received, and wherein also ye stand, and by which also you are, or Greek says are are being, uh, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached unto you, except you believed in vain. So there are many Christians who believed in vain, because they're not holding fast to the Word. They're holding fast to the preaching. They're holding fast to different things, the doctrines of their religion, whatever. But that's not going to get you there. The ancient manuscripts, the numeric pattern, and the received text say, are being saved here. Peter teaches us to see the soul as already saved by faith. But he also shows us that obedience to the Word is the method of manifesting soul salvation. 1 Peter 1 and 22 says, Seeing that you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, notice, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently, having been begotten, or born, same word, Again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God. The Word of God is that seed that goes into your heart, which the sower sowed, to bring forth His fruit. It's His seed. It's His fruit. Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Okay, we are to endure in our faith to see manifestations of soul salvation. Receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. That's verse 9. So the end of your faith is the salvation of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. That's coming into the image of Jesus in more than just in your spirit, but in your soul. And the soul that is born again manifests the nature of Jesus or the nature of sonship. It's a soul submitted to the spirit that is led by the Spirit of God. And Romans 8 and 14 says, 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Whoa. To manifest Jesus, the Huios of God, is to manifest sonship. The Scriptures do not teach the lying gospel of just accept Jesus that fills churches with tares. Jesus is the one who does not accept anyone who does not repent, meaning change their mind and uh, believe the word. Jesus, as in uh, Jesus' day, the creation of God was waiting for a son to come with the word of deliverance from the curse of corruption. So it is in our day, too. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the revealing of the sons of God. And that's so that the creation, verse 21, uh, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the children of God. So in Jesus' day, spiritual children had... uh, led his creation into bondage to corrupt uh, religion and to sin. But God sent his Son to deliver them with the unleavened bread so that it will be in our day. The foundations have been uh, destroyed by many generations of children put in positions of leadership. The foundations have been destroyed by many generations of children put in positions of leadership by those who have wanted their ears tickled. In times of apostasy, God gives them what they want. Isaiah 3 and 4 says, I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. That's talking about this day, folks. And verse 5, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the old man, that is, the mature, who doesn't have that piece of paper and the letters behind his name. He can be totally mature, but the child behaved themselves proudly. That was like the Pharisees, thinking they knew more than Jesus, who didn't go to their Bible school. <laughs> didn't graduate from their Bible school, and they wondered how in the world did he get all this knowledge. He had a fellowship with God. He became mature, and he was wise, and he should have been ruling over them, but they didn't want that. They liked their position, and they were proud of their position, and they are today too. The base against the honorable, it says. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Well, it's not permitted for women to teach or to take authority over a man. So you can see how far we've fallen. O my people, they that lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. God's solution will be to reveal his sons, whom he will use to restore a repentant remnant remnant with the truth that sets free. Jesus, in his first body, offered this deliverance to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And before, there was a great falling away. But Jesus in the corporate man-child 
will offer it to the called of the whole creation to restore the elect. Romans 8 and 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Wow, true. Until now. The work of the Spirit is to bring us to adoption, spirit, soul, and ultimately body. Jesus was the Son of God abiding in the Son of Man. He was the Son in spirit and soul when He was still inhabited, when He still inhabited a body of the seed of David. Romans 1 and 3. His ability to fulfill, to fully walk in the kingdom came when He received His redeemed, glorified body. So shall it be with the man-child manifested sons. They will first manifest sonship in spirit and then progressively in soul and through persecution and suffering as it was with Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 5 and 8 says, Though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became unto all them that obey him uh, the author of eternal salvation. Through this stage, the man-child sons will minister in power to the called of God, as it was with our pattern, who is Jesus. Then, back in Romans, we see that uh, the last step of full adoption through the new body, Romans 8 and 23. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, so they've begun on this track, right? Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for our adoption. In other words, that's the end of the product right there. To wit, the redemption of our body. Yes, that is the new body given to those who manifest Jesus in spirit and soul. Our faith, like our Father's faith, calleth the things that are not as though they were, Romans 4 and 17, so we must claim our sonship before we see it. Galatians 3 and 26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So you believe you're in this before you manifest it. The manifestation will come to those who walk by faith, beholding the Son in the mirror. However, as long as we walk as a child, we are servants in bondage and do not real realize our heritage of being lords of our Father's domain. 4 and 1 says, But I say that so long as the heir is a child, he differeth nothing from a bondservant, though he is a lord of all. They've been given this gift. They have to grow into it. From children to sons. But it is under guardians and stewards until the day appointed of the Father. Servants do not serve for love as sons do. They do not have authority over a father's domain. All sons are servants of their father, but not all servants are sons. Christians who are children are in bondage to the principles of the world. 
They walk by their physical senses instead of by faith. Sons live according to faith principles of the kingdom. So we also, when we were children, were held in bondage under the rudiments, meaning first principles, of the world. So when you're a child, you're under the principles of the world. You're living by those principles. You're walking by sight. You're walking by your hearing. You're not walking by faith. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So that was the purpose that Jesus came. And many people never came out from under the law. I mean, the law of the Old Testament or making a law in the New Testament to uh, live by rather than the Word of God. The traditions of men had taken over the Pharisees of Jesus' day, and he rebuked them for it because it had no power to do this. Paul exhorts children who walk under the law to religion to receive the gift of sonship by faith in what Jesus did. Those who seek to be justified by the works of the law, whether man-made or Old Testament, are children of bondage and cut off from Christ and grace. Galatians 5 and 4, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. There are many people say, you need to do this in the Old Testament, you need to do this in the Old Testament, and you need to do this in the Old Testament. They're seeking to be justified by the law. Because all those are parables, and we need to understand what they're saying. Circumcision was re-revealed in the New Testament as baptism. So, he said, you are fallen away from grace. If you seek to be justified by what you can do, you are fallen away from grace. And for this reason, Paul said unto them in 4 and 19, My little children, of whom I am again in travail, until Christ, that is sonship, be formed in you. Those who claim their sonship and the authority and privileges that go with it because of the redemption wrought in Christ are accounted as sons. And we're justified, meaning accounted righteous, by faith in Christ. If I believe that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me, verse 20, then I am a son by faith, even if I am not yet by manifestation. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Know therefore that they that are of faith the same are sons of Abraham. Therefore, if we've received the Spirit of Christ and believe that he now lives in us, to do His works, we are sons by faith. 4 and 6. And because you are sons, that is by faith, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that thou art no longer a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The bondservant is not the heir. The son is the heir. 
So those who live as joint heirs with Christ are walking in the faith of sonship and will manifest his works by God's power. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. That's John 14 and 12. And God is carefully bringing his servants slash children who walk by faith to manifest sonship. First the man-child, and then those disciples who follow in his steps. Proverbs twenty nine twenty one, He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become a son at the last. At the last. That's the manifestation of sonship. The whole creation is waiting for this so that the creation can come out from bondage. While the apostates were waiting for the coming Messiah, he was being manifest in their midst as a man-child born to a woman. And according to this type, the apostates of our day are waiting for Jesus to come in the sky to save us and them. They do not understand that he will come first manifested in the man-child just as he did in Jesus' day. The Son will come to be manifested only in those children who abide in Him. This is what the manifestation of sonship is. Those who do not manifest sonship will be ashamed, like the man without the wedding garment, when they physically see Jesus. 1 John 2 and 28, And now, my little children, abide in Him, that if He shall be manifested, that's in us, as sonship, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. That word coming there is the Greek word parousia, meaning His physical presence. presence. Both the ancient manuscripts and the numeric patterns say, if He be manifested here. If He be manifested. If He shall be manifested. There's a condition. If shows that the only that only the children who manifest Jesus or sonship will not be ashamed when he comes. And the KJV translated this when. So they didn't have a if there. They put the when there. But the ancient manuscripts in the numeric says if if. So when he shall appear not if he shall be manifested. So they got him coming in the sky in a rapture there. And it's not talking about that, even though the Lord will come that way. It's not talking about that. It's talking about his coming in you, if he shall be manifested in you, because they thought this was a reference to Jesus' physical coming, which is not what that word says. It's his presence, which truly is a when. We know that Jesus' physical coming is a when and not an if. But if is what was written there. And it's only if he is manifested in you that you're going to not be ashamed at his coming. A lot of people will have wasted their time listening to these false teachers. A major problem with this translation is it has Jesus coming twice at the same time. Listen. 
When he shall appear, we shall have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Okay, so that doesn't make sense. However, manifested here is the Greek word phaniru, which means to appear or make visible. It comes from the root word phan, meaning to shine. Where does the Bible say he's going to shine? He's going to shine forth from us. That's what the Bible says. We're transformed into that same image from glory to glory. The glory is shining forth from us. The glory of Jesus. What Jesus? The original Jesus. The same word used in many other places plainly shows us that the glory of Jesus will shine out of our mortal bodies to appear to the world. 2 Corinthians 4.11 For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus, the original Jesus, may be manifested, faniru, meaning shining appearance. Jesus may be manifested in our mortal bodies or our mortal flesh. So obviously this is a spiritual shining of the righteous glory of God out of us, but sometimes God allows even lost people to see it. Around Somewhere around 1984, I think it was, I was witnessing to a man who said, I saw you years ago. And there was a light shining out of you wherever you went. And I wondered what it meant. Well, recently I did some conferences that were videotaped and went all over the country. Uh, On the same day, two people contacted me, one from Washington and the other a prophet from Florida. They both said... that as they watched the video, they saw a light shining out of me. Verse 6, Seeing it is God that said, Light shall shine out of darkness, who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice, in the same text, that if we know the true face of Jesus Christ, which isn't easy if you go into apostate churches, in the mirror by faith, His glory will shine in us. 3 and 18, But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. There you go. Shining forth the, the glory of Christ. Colossians 3 and 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, that means in us, then shall you also with Him be manifested, shining appearance in glory. So you'll be manifested in glory when He's manifested in you. That's very clear. So back in our First John text, I, we see that when we are children, He has not yet made his shining appearance in us. First John 3 and 2. Beloved, now are we the children, technon, of God, 
and it's not yet man made manifest, shining appearance, what we shall be. If he makes his shining appearance in us, we shall be like him. There you go. We know that if he shall be manifested, that shining appearance, in other words, in us, we shall be like him. For we shall see him even as he is. And he is the same Jesus that was first given in the Gospels. And he's not the New Age Jesus or the uh, modern Jesus. The ancient manuscripts, the numeric pattern, and the received text all say, if he be manifested here. Notice also that those who see him as he is in the mirror by faith shall be like him. We must believe that as he is, even so are we in this world. It's as he is. You have to believe that that's who you are, not the modern-day Jesus that floats around in a cloud while you go through all this trouble, gives you no power over sin or the devil, etc., etc. No, that's a worthless Jesus you have. The real Jesus is the one we have to have. And the rest of this text confirms this manifestation of Jesus will come in those who have confident expectation of it. First John 3 and 3, And everyone that hath his hope, Greek, a good confident expectation, everyone that hath this hope, set on him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see that? Even as he is pure. Wow. Can we purify ourselves as He is pure? Those who have a confident expectation of this manifestation of Christ in them will receive grace to walk in it. Because your faith is not in you, it's not in the preacher, it's not in your religion, it's in Jesus. Amen? So, God's people are called to repentance and this full expectation. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Verse 12 Instructing us to the intent that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. So only those who are looking for the shining appearance of Jesus' glory from them will have it. Looking for the blessed hope and appearing, that's the word epiphania, meaning a shining forth. Looking for the blessed hope and appearing shining forth of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. His glory shining out of you. Notice this this does not speak of the coming of the Lord, but of the coming of His glory. Epiphania here speaks of Jesus coming in us. 
and is distinct from parousia, which speaks of his personal presence or coming. In other words, he will come for those from whom he is shining forth. He is coming in his saints before he comes for his saints. And to this end, he sacrificed himself. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good works. Some people teach against good works for goodness sake. The man-child is uh, those who are the first-fruits company to manifest the glory of this purity. Those who fight the good fight of faith shall have this epiphany of Jesus. Either as the man-child or as the woman, he leads into, the, under, into this understanding. 2 Timothy 4 and 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all of them that have loved his appearing, which is epiphania, that is the shining forth, right? Like Paul, those who have loved his shining forth in them or from them shall have the crown of righteousness. Yeah. There are many who reject these awesome promises of Christ in you, satisfied merely to get their toe in the door, but God has no interest in promoting the lukewarm, those who justify their just-accept-Jesus doctrine, in order to live as they like, will not have eternal life. Listen to me. There's no one who hath ascended into heaven, but he that descended out of heaven. It's Jesus in you that's going to heaven. Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And of course, these people are lukewarm, and they'll be spewed out of the mouth of the body of Christ. Listen to me. They will not be in the first fruits man child. They may be servants, but not sons. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Everyone that committeth sin is the bondservant of sin, and the bondservant abideth not in the house forever. The Son abideth forever. Did you catch that? So those who have imputed sonship through their faith in the true gospel are included with these eternal sons, even though they have not uh, manifested yet the fullness, the hundredfold fruit. But they're on the path, okay? The hundredfold fruit do have a higher creation body than those who don't, and a, a closer place to Jesus than those who don't. There's great advantages to growing to a hundredfold fruit. But the best you can do when you're on the way is to be justified by your faith that you believe Jesus took away your sins and gave you His life, that is, sonship. So both sons and servants have been given the first fruits of their inheritance here on earth. 
but the sons will keep their inheritance, and the servants will not. Ezekiel 46 and 16. Thus saith the Lord, If the prince, that's Jesus, give a gift unto any of his sons, it is his inheritance. It shall belong to his sons. It is their possession by inheritance. But if he give of his inheritance a gift to one of his servants, it shall be his to the year of liberty. Then it shall return to the prince. But as for his inheritance, it shall be for his sons. So they take away the talent from the the one who didn't bear any fruit and give it to the one that had ten. Well, notice that when Jesus returns to set at liberty his own, he will take the gift that he had given to the servants who had not borne the fruit of sonship and give it to the sons. Jesus confirmed this in several parables. He described himself giving gifts of his inheritance called talents to his servants. Matthew 25 and 14. For it is as when a man going into another country called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his several ability. And he went on his journey. Then in 19 he says, Now after a long time the Lord of that servant cometh and maketh a reckoning with them. He finds that two of these servants have used their talents and brought forth a hundredfold fruit. The servant with the five talents brought forth five more. And the servant with the two talents brought forth two more. And the servant with the one talent reported that he hid his talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast thine own. In other words, he kept what was given and used it for earthly purposes, but bore no fruit. Jesus will accept no excuses from these fruitless servants. Take ye away therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath the ten talents. You see, the inheritance of the fruitless servants will be taken away and given to the sons. For unto every one that hath, that is fruit, shall be given, that's inheritance, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not fruit, even that which he hath shall be taken away. And cast ye out the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Oh my gosh. Read the word of God, saints. You've been lied to. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word. And we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that everyone will wake up and get in the race. And, Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. You will do it in us. We praise you for it. Amen. All right. God bless you, saints. We'll do this again sometime. Can quench my thirsting soul. Pure as water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, O oh, Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. 
the shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, sacred heart, in you I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus.